Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, the Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host, constant doubter of Alvin Kamara, and believes every team would be better with Cam Newton, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man, the doc father, and recovering Texans fan, Clark Barnes, the working girl, Scotty Miller fanboy, and offensive line expert, Jordan Smith, and the clean... Gin- Ginger clean shaven man, political wild card, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys. Nick Botifer, guys, how we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Good. Good, Pete. How you doing? I'm not going to lie. I am rather enjoying watching Major League Baseball self-destruct because the owners are a bunch of greedy assholes. <laughs> it's been, I used to uh, really like baseball. Yeah. yeah. And now it's just completely done itself in because the owners decided that they needed to, it's just, it's, this is what happens when you have owners who don't even seem to like the sport that they own a team in. Like it it doesn't, none of it makes sense, but I'm here for, I'm here for baseball to either get completely like rethought to make it a little more of an interesting uh, sport to watch because I don't have the attention span to watch five hours of baseball uh and i'm also here for maybe major league soccer making a big play at becoming like the next new uh next big four sport or whatever whatever the whatever you call those uh those top four guys i'll watch exactly the same amount of baseball this year as i did last year so nice (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah so that's that's what that's how my day's been that and i uh jordan this is for you because you're my only other cinephile here uh, I watched the five blood last night, which was incredible. I watched it on Saturday is very good. Yeah. So 10 out of 10 would recommend if you are in the mood for watching a, a film and it's on Netflix and it's right there for you. So hit play because it's good. And that's what's going on in the Rogers household. Twister is on Netflix too. Twister. So last night Twister. <laughs> from the past. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did they all survive? I'm not. I'm not giving it away. Oh, okay. Whew. All right. Nick I watched wondering. the entire. It, well, no. I I too consider myself a cinephile. I just don't have to <laughs> brag about it to feel like you know I need to be validated. Uh, wow. <laughs> the, uh, the entirety of the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings series mm. over the last week. Nice. Um, it was a break from watching all of the Keanu Reeves movies that have ever been made, but we'll probably get back to that pretty soon. Nice. This is this is a thing that Becca and I have started doing. Oh boy, Bert Bert is yes. all kinds of hyper right hey, now. Hey Bert, he is all kinds of hyped. Uh, this is something that Becca and I've been doing, which is watching trilogies. And so we've just like been bouncing through trilogies because we are terrible at. We'll basically be like, oh, let's watch a movie tonight, and then three hours later, we've just watched trailers for like all possible movies that we could see, and then it's too late, and so then we just watch TV. 
So picking a trilogy then lets you at least for the next three times you want to watch a movie, you know what movie you're going to watch, which is which is a, a, a good way to do it. So we've been knocking through trilogies and we started with Lord of the Rings and uh, there might not be a finer trilogy out there than, than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. John Wick might disagree. John- <laughs> he might not though, because Lord of the he Rings might not. is fabulous. He- it is, <laughs> it is pretty incredible. So I also like John the Wick three. It, I like John the awesome, is great. I like yeah. the entire Keanu Reeves discography also as a as as a genre to just be like we're gonna watch everything he's ever done. No person runs harder than Keanu Reeves runs <laughs> when he runs in movies. The this that Tom, he makes. Tom Cruise might have a word. Tom Cruise, he's <laughs> oh God, he's. Let's move on. TC is just running. He's he's not running hard. <laughs> yeah, he's just he is he's putting maximum effort into going whatever five miles an hour or whatever. I guess five miles is actually probably a good pace for a human. Is it? I have no idea. On to football. I don't know. Uh, on to football. We have one news bulletin as as has become customary. Uh, and that news bulletin is actually mildly important. Several Cowboys and Texans players have tested positive for the COVID-19 uh, and including Ezekiel Elliott, which is obviously you hope the best for them. I This is something that I think is w- something to take into consideration is just, first of all, if players are already kind of getting COVID before you have any kind of training camps or actual team meetings, not a great sign. That's uh, not great for the kind of hopes and futures of an NFL season this year running, at least according to plan. But also, like, uh, if you listen, Von Miller had it and obviously had recovered from it. But if you go listen to kind of what he has to say about it, it's, it is like the recovery process from COVID is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. And he was talking about how he was having trouble breathing for, you know, weeks after he had kind of officially beaten uh, COVID. So it's certainly something to, you know, be taken into consideration and hopefully everyone, I know the only name that I read was Ezekiel Elliott, but hopefully everyone who uh, is diagnosed with it hopes for a speedy recovery. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, it's really hard to find stuff that you can believe in the American media today regarding of regardless of what thoughts you're bringing into the, uh, into the equation. So a lot of people get COVID-19 and don't know that they had it and are just totally fine. A lot of people get it who are otherwise healthy and get like deathly ill. So I think with the NFL, we will get to see some unfortunately real life uh, examples of what this looks like. I just hope that everyone that does get it recovers and that uh, it has a small impact on the least important thing in the world, which is football. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, um, And again, Clark, you make a really good uh, point with with how difficult it is to get clear information. But I think something that people may have uh, not thought about, I certainly didn't, was the long-term ramifications of just surviving COVID. The the lung damage that can occur is, is, from what I understand, pretty significant. So um, I I think that the NFL is really – I think they're going to go for it. Like, they're going to try to do this. And – I guess I won't be surprised if the season just gets stopped. You know, all, all you need is to be in the huddle with somebody or to be underneath, under, like in the pile with somebody and the team's 
you know, this could really spread like wildfire. Right. And, and we're seeing like people, the NBA now had a plan, had a tentative plan for how they were going to bring it back. And there's this whole bubble that they were going to create in Orlando. And now we're like seeing players being like, well, no, that's not really going to work. And if it does spread, it's going to spread like wildfire through that bubble. And Florida is of course, like spiky on every uh, known (laughs) chart right now. So, so like, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a little it's certainly concerning if you are someone like us who would love to see football happen according to schedule and on time uh but like it is certain it's not a it's concerning to see the fact that players are getting covid before even they are really you know playing on a field together well so tying into what i assume might be another piece of news here pete is the the lamar jackson video um yeah lamar uh stay away from beaches please and thank you. Yes. So, you know, if, if you guys haven't seen it, go, you know, look, Lamar, just search his name right now. But he's playing pickup football on a beach and just runs into a jet ski in the water. And I mean, the, the wild thing is that he's doing that at all. Uh, that's that's kind of crazy in itself. But um, running into a jet ski might not even be the most dangerous aspect of of what it is he was doing like uh I'm, I'm hoping that everybody is is staying safe out there and um you know recognizes and you know not to get too political here but a lot of the reason we're going back is for economic imperative not because it's safe now um so if you are if you are going out put on a mask be safe tight ends jordan. tight ends oh, sorry Question? jordan no. sorry jordan <laughs> Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I mean, there's a lot to consider with bringing back a team sport like this, like much more to consider than and if teams are smaller, the staffs are smaller, and you can probably keep it relatively contained because you need maybe a couple of gyms. Um, it is hard to come across just a couple of football fields unless you're talking about like the Dallas Cowboys training facility. But if they really want to open up and have people in the stands you know at a certain distance that, that's just tough I mean you're dealing with a lot of personnel on the field you're dealing with a lot of people who just have to be in the stadium in order for a football game to operate so uh, I, I don't think I don't anticipate the NFL caring about the product uh, as long as there is a product on the field uh, that might be something that they should they're probably considering um, if they are talking about you know coming back but with less people uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy right now. Um, I don't want to dive too much into the logistics of the disease, but it does kind of feel like people just kind of slowly fatigue their way out of practicing safe practices. Um, and it's just, it's not because the virus is eradicated or that the numbers are going down. Uh, so yeah, everybody just continue to keep utilizing uh safe guidance and you know protect yourself i can't help myself i have one more thing so uh we are going (laughs) to find and i don't know which one of these it is and i'm not making a a statement either way Uh, either we were wrong and everyone gets this and it's not as big of a deal as we were led to believe or we are going to see hundreds of famous people that we know get deathly ill because of this because of the idea that you can somehow separate people from something like this is just completely right and and have them play football is completely asinine and i I don't have any idea which one it will be 
but I, I don't feel like there's much middle ground of which one it's going to be. Right. So right. There's no way we'll I don't feel like soon. Yeah. There, there's not a way to like play football and be like, well, we'll like maybe just kind of everyone gets COVID. It's like either, either we're all either it's a hundred, like it's jumping into the deep end or you're not getting in the pool. But it's like a couple seasons ago. Um, was it the Patriots where, a, or was it the Buccaneers? Like a bunch of players got uh, like MRSA or something from the that gym. was the Washington football team. Oh, there yeah. you go. So it, it's like when you're, you know, with a team that size, like a virus or an illness, it's probably not the same thing. Again, not a doctor, uh, but it just shows you how, you know, something like that can contract and spread among a football team. Yeah. I can always tell that it's time to move on when Nick is looking very complacent, like out, out, look, taking a deep stare out into the future of, of life. That's when I know that, that we are ready to move on to football. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, it's our final deep dive week of deep dives. We covered the quarterbacks, the running backs, the wide receivers, and now we are finishing up with the tight ends for those who have never heard one of these shows before five categories. We're talking top five. We're talking who's going in the top five. That won't be. We're talking who's a tight end. Not enough people are talking about a bold prediction and a number one target. Uh, let's start with who we think are going to be top five players. Uh, Jordan, why don't you start us off? Um, yes. So for my top five player, hang on, I'm pulling up my notes. It was on last week's notes. Um, so someone I think will finish in the top five, uh, I'm going with Tyler Higby here. Um, he really started to take off in the last month of the season last year for the Rams. Uh, if you were able to pick him up off the waiver wire and plug him in, uh, he was getting, either a hundred yards a game or like two touchdowns there towards the end. Uh, he was a pretty big piece of the offense suddenly. Um, so it'd be foolish for the Rams not to kind of consider uh, continuing to make him a bigger part of the offense, especially with letting go um, Brandon cooks. Um, additionally, he ranks third among tight ends in separation yards. So he's somebody that can get open um, perhaps provide a few mismatch opportunities uh, and right now he's going 75 overall. Um, so th it's not an entirely like big sacrifice to draft him at that position. It's not like a third or fourth round reach. Uh, I think he's just at a good position. And if he can sneak into the top five, which, you know, isn't incredibly hard to do at this position, as I'm sure we'll beat over the head several times during this podcast, I, I think that's good value. Yeah, and I feel like we've talked a fair amount throughout the wide receiver discussion and just maybe in general about how much more effective Sean McVay's offense was last year when they went into that two tight end personnel uh, and why, and I know I think, Nick, you were talking about this last week about why that might devalue Cooper Cup's uh, fantasy value. And so we, and we saw it. We saw the Rams offense become a lot more effective when they were trying to basically figure out how to train, change their offense from that three wide receiver Todd Gurley look. And when Todd Gurley was no longer being as effective in the ground game or in the passing game, they shifted to a two tight end look and Tyler Higby became like emerged as a super him along with uh, Gerald Everett. Is that, yeah, that's the other guy, uh, both super valuable, uh, in fantasy. And you're right, Jordan, that, uh, Higby, what came on strong last year and you're hoping that he kind of can continue to build off of that in this year. So I think that Higby, uh, I think every year we end up having a few players that become pivotal one way or another. So like last year, 
Gurley was kind of in that mold in the Ram. Uh, but we get these guys where like flags get planted. <clears throat> um, you know, sometimes it's Peyton Hillis, but I think Higby's going to be one of these guys this year. Like you said, he's going, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry guys, uh, 75 overall uh, in half point PPR he's 74 and he's the, the tight end nine per uh, fantasy pros. What's going to be interesting is who is, who is operating as the top dog in the red zone, running the inside routes in the Rams offense, because that has been like, Robert Woods is just awesome. And he does his thing on the outside when, when cup has been hurt, he's kicked inside, but cup, uh, 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 Goff looks to the dude running routes on the inside, running out of the slot to be his number one guy when he gets into the red zone. And, and I'm, this is off the top of my head. So forgive me if it's wrong, but I, I am recalling Cooper cup is sort of that like 900 yard and 10 to 12 touchdown kind of a guy. Like he's, his value and he gets a lot of receptions in the red zone, but his value is boosted by this, uh, like the touchdown love that golf likes to show him. And, and yeah, uh, Pete, we did talk about how I think that Higby and Everett will both eat into cups, uh, touchdown upside in the red zone. But with that comes sort of this cannibalistic nature that I think could arise with now, not just, just, uh, the arrival of Tyler Higby, but also the arrival of Gerald Everett, where the Rams have not operated with a tight end playing any significant receiving any significant attention on offense. Now they have two, uh, you know, they, they, they brought this on last year, sort of out of necessity with cup being, uh, you know, the, the knee starting to slow down with the ACL recovery. So I'm not sure what to think of him. I think that a lot of touchdowns are going to be scored with somebody running out of the slot this year on the Rams offense, but I think it's a big gamble. And I, I'm, sort of interested in the the Patriots backfield method of taking the cheapest guy like just getting a piece of 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 that slot production that's coming out of the red zone um but one thing that that can't be disputed is that Tyler Higby is I I can't stand him as a person but he is an excellent pass catching tight end so he is by no means a bad guy to plant the flag on yeah, Higby's out of the top five, and I feel like something I'll try not to say several times is outside of the top five, there are just a lot of guys that you can tell a story about how they're going to be good. Uh, Jared Goff's not good, so he throws to the good matchup that he usually has over the middle, and in the past that's been Cooper Cup, and last year we saw that start to be Tyler Higby just a little bit. Uh, he uh, Higby is like another tight end, I'm sure that we'll get to, uh, who showed very well last year, and I just don't like because I just don't like the team and I find teams that I am just going to try to avoid unless the value is just overwhelming. And the Rams outside of Cooper Cup is are just kind of one of those teams for me this year. So who do you think is a top five tight end, Clark? Give us your pick. So so I didn't have anything too spicy for this one without revealing what I have later. And yes. so I just want to say something. I that, love Clark's tease now. I love that you yeah. started this thing where it's like, I'm not going to tell you too much because, man, I got some doozies to drop later in the show. Well, it, this this may be a really st- stupid short statement, but instead I wanted to see, you know, who is just the absolute favorite to be the tight end one, and is that person worth a late first-round pick? I feel like that that's obvious. Tra- obviously, Travis Kelsey, and obviously he is worth that pick. Am I alone there? I uh, So I will say that I'm talking about Kelsey in, as a bold prediction, so I'll get to that. But, I w- but be- through that, I looked at his stats and it is pretty incredible his his stats over the last i mean 
basically since entering the league 2013, he played what one game. So let's ignore that. But 2014, he was the tight end nine, 2015, tight end seven, 2016, tight end one, 2017, tight end two, 2018, tight end one, 2019, tight end one. Like, and nothing has changed. And nothing has changed. Exactly the same. Exactly. So like, I, I agree with you, Clark, uh, despite spoiler alert, what my bold prediction might be, uh, that Travis Kelsey, if you're, if you're putting money on who's going to be tight end one this year, it seems like Travis Kelsey is by far and away your best bet just because he's shown it time and time and time again. And is that so, worth a late first round pick? Okay. So yeah, I was going to circle back Clark and ask you what actually the question was. Cause I think I got lost there, but to answer that one, no, uh, I'm, I'm not going anywhere near a tight end, uh, until well into to my drafts um and that doesn't necessarily have to do with travis kelsey being a lock for like 1200 yards and, and 12 touchdowns uh it just has to do with positional scarcity at the running back position that's what's going to the be the deciding factor for me there um but yeah i mean kelsey it, his his receiving ability and, and the offense he's in you know, it would be fun to think about a number of other guys on in his offense, but uh, yeah, he's he's in the the perfect situation to just always be the tight end one or tight end two. Uh, my tight end five, who or guy who I think is going to go into the top ten. This is we talked. I talked about this as my Carson Wentz syndrome with Carson Wentz when we talked to quarterbacks, where it's like every year you can talk yourself into this guy. Cause you've seen it before where you're like, Oh my God, he's so good in fantasy. Yes. If he could just stay healthy, I am all in on it. Uh, and for me at the tight end position, this is my last year that I'm going to give Evan Ingram the benefit of like, God, if you just stay healthy, you're going to be so freaking good. Uh, he was the tight end five, his rookie year where he managed to play six, uh, 15 games and finished with 700 plus yards and six touchdowns. And since then has not been able to stay healthy. hasn't played a full season. Hasn't even really played, you know, has played half a season last year. He played 11 games in 2018. So the guy's injury uh, track record has not been great, but if he can stay healthy, he has the talent. We've seen it. We've seen that he can be a top 10 tight end. And so this is my final year where it's like Evan Ingram. Let's have all injury bugs out of the way. This Giants offense is primed for like a number one receiver to bust out of it. Uh, and I don't think that there's a, an incumbent guy there. And so I think Evan Ingram has a plenty of chance and opportunity to see a, do- a ton of targets and, uh, and become a tight end top five guy as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, I can't run for, far enough away from Evan Ingram. Um, and, and that's partially just to, to make Pete upset. But I know. This reminds me of of um, kind of the discussions that we had when we were talking about the running backs. It's really interesting that we have Jason Garrett in in New York now because what it does for me is it pushes Ezekiel Elliott ahead of Saquon Barkley in in the running back rankings. And I, I Jason Garrett scares the hell out of me now that he's the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. I I just don't trust him. He's a total fraud. Um, and I think that that there's some troubling uh, – you mentioned the injuries with Ingram. The troubling thing about the injuries is just that it's repeated soft tissue. Repeated soft tissue injuries are, are worrisome. Um, I think he's extremely talented, um, almost like a, a, a Nick Chubb-esque situation where, like, everything should be there for him to do really well. But just for one reason or another, there are outside circumstances that, that – kind of uh, mess things up the only other thing i'll say is that he's also running in a really crowded uh slot and he gets to the outside some 
but like Gettleman is just such an idiot. He, he you know, he brings in Sterling uh, Shepard and, or he brings in Golden Tate to run alongside Sterling Shepard. It's like, okay, so we're crowding up the slot and we already have Evan Ingram in there. It's nice they have Darius Slayton now who's going to be drawing coverage down and maybe that'll help them out. But I think there's too many X factors for me to ever end up with Ingram on my team. It depends how, if he falls, but like I said, I'm not going to take a tight end for a really long time. Yeah, the Giants are just a, a shade away team for me because there is so much up in the air and I've watched uh Garrett coach for so long that uh he managed to hold down some really really good players on the Cowboys for a really long time I think that Evan Ingram is a really talented football player and can I just flip the story and tell you about how great a season he's going to have because he's going to finally stay healthy and Daniel Jones has already showed that he'll go to him absolutely but you know, again, outside of one player, it's Saquon Barkley, who is like fifth or sixth for me, which is like basically a do not draft rank. I, yeah, I'm just going to shade away from the, from the Giants this year. I don't mind uh, projecting Evan Ingram to be a top five tight end. Um, unfortunately, I do think that he and fellow 2017 draft teammate OJ Howard might be a little bit in the same boat of these super talented physically tight ends that just never really broke out in any significant way. Um, And if I'm taking a chance or a gamble on a tight end, it's probably just unfortunately not going to be somebody who is the tight end six right now. I I would probably rather wait until later in the draft. I do like Pete's spicy take, though. If you can turn the three folks in the room against you, you know that you're on to something that isn't the norm. So that's... that's Yes! That's what I was going for. I'm always here to just get... Share my opinion and then get shot down by everyone on the podcast. Uh, Nick, why don't you wrap up the top five segment? Yeah, so I I might have gone too nerdy with this one, but my selection is Mark Andrews. Almost certainly. I, I was really impressed with the fact that so so per uh, playerprofiler.com uh, he had a 43.2% snap share which is ridiculously low for someone who led the league in in touchdowns uh, at, at the tight end position with 10 last year. Um, now on the one hand I think you could look at that you could say well then we should expect regression because he really he played less than 50% of the snaps and was the the highest scoring tight end uh, touchdown wise in the league, but I think what we're going to see is just more snaps. Now he comes in with a similar uh, injury issue uh, as Evan Ingram, but given that uh, the, the, the Ravens come in, I don't have it off the top of my head anymore. They come in, I believe with a, a top 10 uh, passing slate per Warren Sharp. So that makes me feel a little bit better about it, but I just think like he's been at the, it, at the top of the position in yards per route run, in his first two seasons in the NFL, Pro Football Focus proven that's very uh, year-to-year predictive statistic. Uh, and again, he only played 43% of the snaps. Uh, I, I expect him to kind of blow things out of the water here, uh, expectations from last year at least. And and the fact that Hayden Hurst is now gone, um, yeah, I just I'm, – I'm a, a believer in Mark Andrews. Yeah, he's going as the tight end three. Uh, but – so I think a lot of people are agreeing with that. Uh, but I do think that he is someone who last year was not something that was fluky at all, or that that tight end three is like rich for him. I do feel like that you, you, you're going to have to pay up in order to get him. But I agree with you, Nick, that he has all like, everything is in line for him to more than be able to, to live up to his high price tag. Yeah. I think Andrews could 
absolutely explode and take over that uh, tight end one area. And even though I've just exposed that, I'm totally happy to take Travis Kelsey in the first round because I think he's kind of <laughs> a lock for that number one. Uh, I have the same kind of philosophy of tight ends that I do with quarterbacks of I don't mind paying up for who I think is going to be the absolute best. And I feel like uh, quarterback tight end are two positions where the least value becomes available during the year, unlike running back and wide receiver. But for what you would have to pay for Mark Andrews, which is about a third round pick on best ball drafts right now, there's guys going behind him that I'd much rather have taken a shot on Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, uh, even uh, Juju Smith-Schuster or Nick's favorite Cooper Cup. Uh, having said all of that, uh, Mark Andrews did what he did last year playing essentially no time. So that is amazing. And looking at that, you could really see where he could just kind of shatter what we think about tight ends if he stays on the field for about 65% of the Ravens plays. Yeah, I really like Mark Andrews. Um, invested a lot of dynasty stock in him during his rookie season. It, it 43% snap share is just you look at that number and you hear that number and you're like, yeah, he still has a lot more to like prove and a lot more opportunities to gain. So if he's finishing in the top three already by, you know, having to split time at tight end and just not being on the field, imagine what he can do with the higher snap share. So yeah, top three is pretty easy for him. All right. Well, so let's move on to tight ends who are being drafted in the top five who won't finish there in uh, 2020 and I have gone through I'm at fantasypros.com I have looked at their best ball uh, ADP rankings I have looked at their standard and I've looked at PPR and half point PPR and all the same five tight ends are in the top five so no one can tell me they're looking at a different list this week top five tight ends going Travis Kelsey George Kittle Mark Andrews Zach Ertz Darren Waller I dare you to tell me you saw a different list um, and for me, the guy who's going to fall out of that, or is most likely going to fall out of that to me is Darren Waller is the, is the obvious choice just because of the fact that I think what he did last year with the Raiders was a was basically brute came out of the fact that the Raiders thought they were going to have Antonio Brown and thought, and because of that didn't really address other wide receiver positions. They had Ty, you know, Tyrell Williams, but that was kind of to run side to side with Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, obviously lost his shit and was not a part of the Raiders last year. And so I think they were basically like, well, fuck, we need a number one guy. Darren Waller emerged as that. And so they just force fed him the football and he certainly performed it balled out. But I don't think that that same level of work is going to come uh, this year with Henry Ruggs there with all the investment that the Raiders have put into the offense this year. Uh, I just don't see Darren Waller being that being a guy who's a lock for a top five tight end this year. Well, uh, so correct me if I'm wrong here. Is this, uh, are, are we talking falling out of the top five or falling out of the top 12, Pete? Top five, just top five. Gotcha. Um, well, so it's interesting, and I'm, I'm not looking at his raw stats right now, but from what I recall, he, he racked up a ton of receptions and a lot of yardage and just struggled a lot in the touchdown department. Uh, yep. Cursory glance, I think, would. Yeah, he had, uh, I think he had uh, 1,100 touchdowns. 1,100 yards and three touchdowns on 90 yeah, to catches. Me, okay, so to me, I'm, I'm seeing a whole lot of touchdown, positive touchdown regression coming there. Um, one thing we did talk about was uh, on the, the strength of schedule episode with the, the sharp football stats is that the, the Raiders have a really difficult uh, schedule. They've got a really difficult slate of run defenses. They've got a really difficult slate of pass defenses, but 
I'm looking through and like so many of these games are going to be shootouts, uh, Carolina, Saints, Buffalo, Casey. I mean, we're halfway through. Anyway, I, I'm going to end up naming all but like three games here. I think that the volume could be there for him again. The X factor, of course, we, we hit this like every time we talk about this team is Henry Ruggs. Is he going to be just, just running downfield or are they going to scheme the ball to him? And that might be overall the, the number one thing that, that ends up hitting him. Um, I think that he's got a good chance of staying in the top five, but I, I think that this is kind of a fine pick to say that he's not uh, going to finish in the top five just because the tight end position, to me, and I'll get into this more, it's just so damn deep. Plus, let's not ignore that the Raiders went out and got Jason Witten for a reason. So – Clearly, they right. yeah. didn't feel like Good Darren point. Waller. Darren Waller clearly wasn't giving them everything they wanted out of the tight end position. I'm being deathly serious here. They are going to look to Jason Witten and force feed him that football because Jason, Jason Witten can perform no matter how old or whether or not he's retired. Wasn't it the Seahawks that got Witten? No, the Seahawks have Greg Olson. Oh, I just, got, I just got them confused. They all look alike to me. Which, old that being said, ends, that if Greg Olson... I don't know if anyone's talking about him later, but if he stays healthy, holy shit, that's a nice little sneaky pick. Yeah, I had a, I had a really hard time with this one, and Waller is one of the tight ends I knew we'd be talking about, so I kind of saved it. Uh, he is much like Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby in that he plays with a quarterback who is not good. And I just went back and watched a couple of uh, Raiders games because I was really curious to see how Waller got all of his production, and it was because every time uh, – car threw the ball more than five yards down the field it was to a covered receiver and you could just see his little brain hating that he had to do it and so that's why i think waller might be a good bet again this year because he just he is a good short yardage target and he's got some legs i mean for a tight end he can really really move he's definitely more of a receiver than he is a blocker uh but i do think he or uh one other person in the top five that i may hit on in a second here is, is likely to fall out just as other guys move up yeah Waller uh kind of entered a situation last year where he was just the top option when he wasn't really expecting to be so a lot of plays and a lot of passes ended up going his way I, Darren Waller was pretty high for tight ends in terms of like yards per catch and uh, yards per route run so um if if anything holds him back this year uh which falling out of the top five wouldn't be impossible I kind of feel like the tight ends four through ten are a little bit interchangeable like either any of them could rise or fall um and Darren Waller is like a pretty prime candidate for that Clark who do you see who's your guy who you think is going to fall out you alluded to him so this is someone I like and at the price I I like where they are too but I think it's Zach Ertz just because he's going to continue to give you 900 yards and seven or eight touchdowns because he's you know, gets along with Carson Wentz well. And uh, like the Raiders, the Eagles drafted a, a rookie that people are excited about, but that doesn't always translate to a lot of production from wide receivers. So the Eagles are hoping that Deshaun Jackson will be healthy. They're hoping for an Alshon Jeffrey revival. Uh, but what they know they have is Zach Ertz, and he, he did yeoman's work last year for them. But I'm a little excited about some other guys that uh, may take a step forward this year. So I think you'll end up taking Ertz as the tight end four or five and finishing six or seven and feeling like you left some value on the board, uh, kind of for nothing using air quotes. Yeah. I yeah, can see him. Guy, put, oh, go ahead, Jordan. 
I was just going to say my guy was Ertz too, um, being at tight end four and just kind of or finishing at tight end four last season rather, and then just kind of falling a spot or two. I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. Um, I have more details and information on him later for my bold prediction. So I don't want to get too far into the weeds right now and trample over Clark's points. Yeah, because I could see I could see Ertz putting together like in 2016, he finished the tight end eight. And his stats look great, 816 yards, four touchdowns, you know, 106 targets, 78 catches. Like, that's a really solid tight end stat line. But if you have better tight end play across the board, he's, that's going to push him down. And that's just, you know, if you're going to have other weapons now in Philly where he's no longer the number one pass option, or even if he's still the number one pass option, the ball's getting spread around a little bit more similar to my expert Darren Waller take. Uh, but yeah, I like, I like that too, as Zach Ertz is because it's, I, I mean, if anyone, maybe Nick, maybe Nick has the stones too. Well, we know he's not going to argue Mark Andrews is falling out of the top five since he just made him his top five lock, but Nick, are you going to argue that George Kittle or Travis Kelsey is falling out of the top five? No, Nick <laughs> misunderstood and he oh, did good. the top 12. Um, but if you'll Classic. allow me, maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, I will say this is my first time, I believe, misunderstanding. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hope that my take is bold enough that it makes up for it. I took the number six tight end, Hunter Henry, and and have predicted that he will be falling out of the top 12. And I hope, again, I hope that's a, a big enough pick that, uh, that it makes up for it. As to the Earth's point, uh, I disagree. I just think he's the, the top dog there, and he's going to just keep putting up points. But uh, – I, I think it could happen with injury. He could fall out. Um, so anyway, so Hunter, Hunter Henry, we spent a lot of time talking about the Chargers, uh, talking about th- their strength of schedule. This, is, this shapes up to be a ground and pound schedule. They're going to play ball control. I think everybody, probably except for like Austin Eckler, is going to suffer. Uh, and well, no, excuse me. Austin Eckler is uh, going to suffer too, but perhaps not uh, to the same extent as, as everybody else. Um, but they just have so many mouths to feed there, right? So if it's Terod Taylor as a starter or Justin Herbert takes over, either way, you've got a, a guy who's prone to scrambling. And we've seen uh, Taylor, uh, Bowie, uh, help me out here, Clay. I, I've got JFK in my mind. I'm going to say Clay Shaw. Was it, who, who's the tight end? Clay, um, Charles Clay? I've written off Thank uh, everyone Clay not Harvard? named Eckler in, uh, for yeah. the Chargers this year. So, so anyway, my, my point is, my point is, uh, Taylor, he has helped. Yeah. Thank you. Charles clay to a productive season, but he has so many mouths to feed there with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and, and Eckler will command some degree of targets. Uh, I think it's going to be a real tough year for Henry. Cause again, I don't think they're going to throw the ball very much and they, they have so many mouths to feed. So, uh, for me, my unorthodox or, or out of bounds, uh, call is that Hunter Henry's falling out of the top 12. Yeah, I like it. I, I think uh, Henry is an avoid, not because I don't think that he's good, but I agree with you, Nick. I don't think they're going to be passing very much. Uh, their coach, a lot, of, a lot of times Coach Peak is really stupid, uh, but they have the QB personnel and they have committed to the type of game plan through their actions that shows they are not going to be throwing the ball very much. Awesome. All right, before we move on to our final three categories, let's take a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. We have three more categories. Uh, tight end who not enough people are talking about. Uh, Clark, start us off. Who's a tight end that you think should be getting a little more pub? So this is uh, Narrative Street, and I like that it connects nicely to Hunter Henry. Uh, so Eric Ebron's not in Indianapolis anymore, and Hunter Henry's former lover, Philip Rivers, is. I think we've seen some good play out of Jack Doyle, and he is going as the tight end 18 and the past month's best ball drafts. So he's absolutely free, and he's one of those folks that if you are going to wait on tight end, this could be the second tight end that you take for your committee that could really surprise us and put up a good like seven or eight tight end, uh, seven or eight tight end finish this year. So I think if you're going to wait on tight end, you could do a lot worse than Jack Doyle is that kind of shot in the dark. Philip Rivers has played and loved tight ends before. We'll, we'll see how it goes under Frank Reich. We saw Eric Ebron put up, what, 13 touchdowns on like 70 yards a year ago. So we'll see if something like that can happen. Again. Yeah, he's like, he's the only tight end there now. Um, at least that can garner some attention. They have Trey Burton there, but we kind of saw or rather didn't see what Trey Burton was capable of in Chicago. And they doubled down on, on Jack Doyle. They offered him a new deal and he is, he's always been like kind of that consummate I will pick up Jack Doyle and stream him this week because my main guy is on a buy, which is very perfect for him. Yeah, I think this is an excellent pick, Clark. Um, the like, like I was saying earlier, the the tight end position is so deep. There's this like top tier that it, that's kind of unquestionable. That 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 might just be like Kelsey Andrews, uh, Kittle, and Ertz or not. Um, and then it's just like this, this list of like 15 to 20 guys that I am more than happy to, to play schedules with. And we talked about again on the, the sharp uh, strength of schedule episode, the Colts are coming in with the second easiest schedule overall and the second overall easiest pass defense schedule. And some of these games are either going to be just shootouts or I'm looking at them right now. Some of these defenses, Jaguars, Bengals, uh, forgive me, Texans twice, Raiders, Jaguars again, um, I like it a lot. And, and I think uh, what was being talked about earlier on where uh, touchdown, the touchdown position can sometimes just be buoyed by tight end uh, uh, touchdown equity. And I, I think Doyle, he, he might only have four or 500 yards, but I could see him giving you like eight or nine touchdowns. Yeah. I like Doyle. I like that call a lot. Uh, I thought you were going to go with Eric Ebron as a guy, not enough people talking about it, who I also kind of agree because well, the man just scores touchdowns and he's going to the Steelers offense, which could score just touchdowns um but i love i love philip rivers's like connection with the tight end and how now it's jack doyle show again uh and indeed he's going to score points uh nick why don't you give us your tight end who not enough people are talking about in your mind cool uh blake jar win uh the dallas cowboys open emphasis on the win am i right 
that's that's why I did that part. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the Cowboys overall schedule is uh, it, it's just sort of middle of the road. Their passing schedule is a little bit easier. Um, but last year, Jason Witten was the uh, 10th most tight tar- targeted tight end in 2019. Jason Witten. Um, I think Blake Jarwin, he, he's a talented guy. He's that's the talent athletic. going to the Raiders, you guys. That's the kind of talent going to the Raiders yeah. to replace Darren Waller. Just saying. Yeah, that's what, you, that's what you should take from this. So uh, regardless of whether or not the schedule is easy, which I, it is, uh, this Dallas team is going to score a bunch of points. Now, I do think that the drafting of C.D. Lamb definitely hurts Jarwin's uh, uh, touchdown equity a little bit here. But I think this is a group that's just going to be living in the red zone. And, uh, I mean, it's not a secret that for forever and ever uh, the Dallas Cowboys have enjoyed throwing to – uh, their tight end. So uh, shoot a heavy schedule team that's going to score a lot. They like to throw to the tight end. Uh, give me Blake Jarwin at, uh, he, he's coming off the board as, I, I mean, it's one of those where you just got to keep scrolling. Yeah. Tight end 21. He's free. Yeah. 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 I like it, man. I mean, if you're an opposing defense, who are you going to leave open? It's, and that that's kind of oversimplified analysis sometimes. Uh, but Dak has thrown to the tight end before. And I would spend a lot of time scheming around stopping these other weapons. Jarwin has shown competency. And I think he's in a situation where mere competency could end up getting him a huge season. Yeah. Um, I actually, I have Blake Jarwin as my guy that people aren't talking enough of as well. Um, I, I hate, I feel like I've, heaped a ton of praise on the Cowboys offense. This season, <laughs> so Jordan is all it, in. But I'm doing it again. Um, yeah, he's essentially a tight end that's going to be available for you in later um, rounds. Um, he was 11th last year in yards per catch for tight ends, um, sixth in yards per target, and eighth in yards per route run. Um, and, and again, Jason Witten is finally out of the way, um, which means that there's just going to be some good opportunity for Blake Darwin. It kind of like Jack Doyle, he's another tight end that was. Uh, that had their team just double down on them. He got a new contract in March. Um, so I, I think that they are kind of ready to make him the tight end uh, for the future. Yeah. Uh, my guy who I don't think enough people are talking about, and it's not, he's not as deep as both of the guys we talked about, Jack Doyle and Blake Jarwin um, are fall deeper in drafts, but the guy who I think you can kind of get in that middle tier who maybe when you look at him necessarily you first kind of have a strong reaction to him but otherwise i'm going to tell you why you shouldn't is uh mike kosicki for the dolphins who emerged last year uh he what finished with what uh 570 yards and five touchdowns and was kind of finally broke out in his sophomore season and i think with miami the perk with that offense is that they didn't again for the receiving core they brought in a quarterback but that's it. You know, it's still Devonte Parker. It's still Preston Williams coming back, hopefully healthy. Uh, and it's still obviously Mike Kosicki, who I think is now kind of solidified himself as a real viable threat in that passing game. So you're hoping with a better quarterback play of Tua that you're going to increase kind of the sea tide rises all ships as I've heard. So rise all the receivers there. And also I'm, not entirely sold that Devonte Parker is going to put together as good of a season as he did last year. And so I think you're going to see maybe t- the target share get spread around a little bit more. And I just think Mike Kosicki going as he's currently going in what best ball as the tight end 13 
along with like Hayden Hurst, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, and TJ Hawkinson. I like I like him and Hurst of those groups as the guys who really could kind of give you a lot of value for for the pick. I like it. And I like that all the guys we mentioned are unless you're playing in some strange league where you have to draft two or maybe uh, a league where you really emphasize the tight end. These guys aren't even draft guy targets. These these guys are all people to like keep an eye out for the waiver wire. We're well past 12 tight ends here. So, yeah, I like Gasicki's upside um, as well. He's a freak athlete for the tight end position, former volleyball player. He's got a ton of bounce. Um, and I, I think the Dolphins were like, hey, you know what? We've got a ton of holes. We've got a bunch of positions to fill. They did that through the draft with a lot of draft picks. They signed a lot of players. But the pass-catching position was clearly something that they felt like they had, you know, a, a decent crew with uh, as far as the wide receivers and the tight ends go. So, um, yeah, I definitely like Kasiki's upside going into the season. So, Pete, let me just keep it rolling here with the, the bold predictions. Uh, Mike Kasiki is going to finish as a top 10 tight end this season. Yes, I've got Nick on my side! <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, it took him a while last season to get going, but he finished per playerprofiler.com with a 69.5% snap share. Uh, that's, nice. that's starter material and, and it's, it is nice. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's awesome that it, that it, he just improved and improved and improved as the season went on. Um, only 34.6% of that was in the slot. He lines up outside quite a bit. Uh, he was the 12th most targeted tight end in the NFL last year, I believe. Um, he had good yardage, uh, good touchdown equity. Um, I think that we, uh, well, okay, we'll get to the, we'll stay positive just for a second. I really like what the schedule has to offer either a, a smattering of easy defenses or just big time shootout potential. Uh, I think the one area that you and I disagree on Pete is that I want Ryan Fitzpatrick in there chucking YOLO balls to him all day long, rather than uh, to a, who I, I'm not sure how he will, how comfortable he will be uh, right off the bat. So, you know, give me the, the devil may care guy chucking balls to the, the six foot five dude as, as he's always loved to do throughout his career. But uh, other than this, you guys have mostly uh, touched on the rest. He's talented. Uh, if you heard uh, playing with the boys, just sort of come on in the back of your head. Jordan mentioned it. He's a former uh, volleyball player. Um, yeah. Super, super talented, super athletic, like his position a lot. And I feel like in drafts, I always, I love giving myself the narrative of, or creating a narrative for players who I feel like, other t- other league mates might just ignore because of X, Y, or Z. And Mike Gazicki on the Dolphins, I feel like isn't the Dolphins, anyone on the Dolphins is an easy player, easy player for, for your league mates maybe to be like, well, do I really, outside of Devontae Parker, who's really on that team? Uh, and so I like being able to say like, well, actually there could be some, a lot of value here, especially if he falls in your draft because of the fact that people are ignoring him or overlooking him for maybe sexier names. Uh, despite the fact that Mike Kosicki of that group could be the sexiest name. His name literally has the word sick in it. So, you know, he's good. How many of these do you have Pete? That's, that was, that was, that's all I had. Just one. Uh, that, just one. I know. I I could have. I could have. Uh, his his name is Mike. It has like in it. If you put an L, he's <laughs> sexy. He's ah, damn it. See? Well, there's your team name, Mike is sexy. Oh fuck. All right. Well, I'm now drafting Mike Kasicki everywhere, and that's and that's my uh, my team name. Uh, all right. Well, we're already in bold predictions. Then Jordan, keep going. Take it. Uh, what do you got for a bold prediction? Um. Uh, 
bold prediction. I touched on this before. Um, I think that it's possible Dallas Goddard eclipses Zach Ertz in Philadelphia as the go-to tight end, um, partially because Ertz finished as tight end four last season, whereas Goddard finished tight end 10. So there's not a whole lot of separation there. And that's kind of played out within their statistics as well. Um, they were virtually the same for yards per catch, yards per target. Um, Zach Ertz had one more touchdown reception than Goddard. Um, whereas Goddard had a better touchdown percentage. Um, if you are looking at both of their statistics, it kind of plays out in that it's the snap share differential. Uh, Ertz had more or had better stats in terms of volume because he was playing more, whereas Goddard was kind of meeting him there on the averages, uh, despite getting less opportunity. Um, now this is total wild speculation. And what makes my prediction more bold is that this could be an opportunity for the Eagles to see what they have in the young tight end and want to slowly shift to him because um, they might want to get out from under Zach Ertz's contract by next season. Uh, this is an incredibly strapped team for money. They, they do tend to do a lot of tricky things with restructuring and what have you, but over the cap have, has them at $50 million over the cap next season which is an incredible amount of money for a football team to be over. I don't know how uh, accurate that is or if there's some sort of glitch going on, but that's what I saw today. Um, regardless, if they make um, Zach Ertz a June 1st cut, uh, he would only be $4 million in dead cap space, and they could save um, – they could save – or they could cut that down by – Eight million, so they could free up eight million dollars worth of cap space. Um, and again, this it, that would just um, shifting to Goddard, giving him more opportunities than Ertz, or at least making them moderately more even. Like we talked about, Ertz falling out at the top five if he drops down to like seven, and you know, Goddard moves up three spots as well, four spots. Um, he could definitely just take the reins and become the TE one in Philadelphia. That's a bold prediction. I like it. Women's it's soccer right. hates Jordan now. By oh, the way. oh, yeah. There we the go. US There's women's bold... national team does not care for Jordan. <laughs> I love Julie Ertz, who is a definite listener of this podcast. Yeah. A known fan, known RB1 fan, Julie yes. Ertz. We apologize. And you for... say things like that. Ugh, unbelievable. <laughs> for speaking ill of for speaking ill of your husband. Um my bold prediction, ignore everything I said in agreement with Clark at the top of the show about how Travis Kelsey is a lock to be the tight end one. Travis Kelsey and George Kittle will not finish as the best tight end uh, in football this year. Neither of them will finish the best tight end in football. Someone else will claim the throne this year. My reason is it has to eventually happen, question mark. <laughs> um, I don't really have anything better than that. I think... Travis Kelsey is going to honestly take like an injury or just an entirely different shift in that offensive philosophy for him to not finish, you know, number one, uh, or maybe, maybe he finishes number two and maybe Mark Andrews just goes fucking balls to the wall and, uh, and finishes tight end one. But bold prediction is that Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, the two guys who are basically like, take your bets as to who's finishing tight end. It's one of those two guys. Neither of those guys will be a tight end one this year. Well, Pete, I couldn't agree with you more, and I'll tell you why Travis Kelsey and George Kittle aren't going to finish as the tight end one. 
I'm yes, following up yes, my hot yes, RB one yes, take, yes, my yes, hot wide receiver one take yes, with a hot yes, tight end one take. Rob Gronkowski is going to finish as a <laughs> tight end one in the year twenty, year of our Lord twenty twenty. <laughs> For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, disappointing all the Chris Godwin and Mike Evans owners. Uh, so there's a lot of talk about uh, Gronk being injured and broken down. I think we certainly saw that in the Super Bowl. Uh, but from what's being reported, I feel like uh, Rob Gronkowski just didn't want to play for Bill O'Brien North, and that's why he decided to take a year off from football. Uh, having rested and won his WWE championship, I think he's going to come back on fire. Uh, I don't think that he has to do that much to catch 10 touchdowns, so... Uh, would you be at all surprised if Gronk got you 60 catches and 10 touchdowns? I sure as hell wouldn't. I think that we see a rejuvenated Rob Gronkowski. We know Tom Brady loves to throw to people that he knows. He's going to a new team and a new system. And why wouldn't he lean on his old friend Gronk to bring it home down in Tampa Bay? This is incredible. This would, this would simultaneously make me so happy because Clark's bold prediction came true and so sad to watch Brady and Gronk like be the dynamic force that they were for New England for years down in Tampa Bay. And um, I got to coin a new term, Bill O'Brien North. And Clark, Clark completely sunk Bill Belichick. Also active listener. Oh, no, that podcast. was a Matt Patricia slight. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Got it. In a very Howard Ratner voice, I disagree. Um, <laughs> I, I don't. One thing we didn't talk about in terms of tight ends here, and I think it's important mm. with this position in particular, is to talk about the age factor. Um, generally speaking, uh, tight ends kind of fall off after the age of 30. Um, so I can see, and back to also Pete's uh, prediction here, I can see Travis Kelsey taking a dip um, from the number one spot just because of his age. He'll be on the other side of 30 um, going into the season that he, he might be the exception. One of the exceptions to the rule though, just based on his skill set and the offense that he's in. Um, so Gronk finished it, uh, Well, last time he played, he finished 2018 at the age of 29 being tight end 11. So having him come back after missing a season and um, reintegrating himself into the NFL, I just think that that's going to be, tough for him to do um I'm probably lower on Gronk than I should be I should probably give him a little bit more benefit of the doubt but I am not gonna say he can finish tight end one so I think that this is like definitely definitionally a bold prediction um <laughs> it's, and that's, it's and that's the only nice thing Nick has to say about it <laughs> well I mean this is one that it's just making me think uh Bad you know the, expectations the Clark Matt, the, <laughs> the, yeah. yeah, this is when you're getting satisfactory grades in elementary yes. school um, or whatever. Um, I mean, so, yeah, the team's going to score a lot. The Bucks defense is going to give him a lot of short fields. Uh, he's he slimmed down so much. I think that they will definitely move him around the formation, which only helps in the red zone. I don't think Godwin and Evans are going anywhere, but that doesn't mean that uh, that he can't have a 10 touchdown year. And what's kind of interesting is, I again, off the top of my head, I believe his rookie season was like 550 yards and 10 touchdowns. And I sort of think that kind of thing could be replicable. But with everything Jordan brought up, he took a year off football. I mean, this could just be like Antonio Gates style, like standing in the end zone thing. And, and you know, it, it doesn't work out. I think that it's 
it's maybe I'm just drawing it back to the Tyler Higby thing where I think that this is an interesting one to plant your flag on if you want to, but I think you, you know, you, you gotta be really smart with the way you do it because you're going to have to plan on the fact that you're taking a risk with where you were drafting him at, at uh, losing out on other draft capital. So you're going to have to know what your plan is for the rounds that come after like this, you know, if you're drafting Gronk, you can't go into it and into the draft and just make the decision then. like have, have a plan in place. Cause there is, this is a, a lot of draft capital to be putting into this pick uh, when he could be a total zero. I don't think he will be, but he could. So I think what will make you feel a little bit better about that fine point. I want you to come over to my side, Nick. I like when we okay. align for evil. Uh, okay. Rob Gronkowski is the tight end nine uh, in best ball leagues. He's going off the board at pick one thirty. So I would contend you're not spending anything on him. No, you're, okay. this is the taking shots territory. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so I'm looking at redraft where he's eighty nine, but one thirty. Yeah. <laughs> so I think even in the seventh, I still feel like that's close to free. But okay. I yeah. I, I think at that point in time, I'm still trying to pad that. That's like, that's your, you know, second, either second flex option or like your, your first guy coming off the bench or something. Yeah. Um, but again, like if you win on this pick, it's, you it's look, you look something. damn smart. Yeah. Yeah. We only remember the good ones here on the RB1 podcast. Ain't that true. (laughs) Ain't that true. Uh, Oh, my God. Incredible. Well, let's wrap up with number one targets. Let's just knock them out. Uh, My number one target this year, I like to draft my tight ends late. We've talked about that a lot. I think a guy who you can get late, who could be in for a good season, uh, is Johnu Smith for the Titans. Uh, we've seen him be very productive down in Tennessee, filling in for Greg, Ol- uh, not Greg Olson, Delaney Walker, when Delaney Walker was injured. And now that this is position is entirely his, uh, I think we're going to get solid tight end, probably possibly top 10 production out of him. And he's going, uh, he's going late enough that you're not going to be, you're going to get good, good value out of that pick. And yep, I, I'm hyper athlete. Sorry, go ahead. Nick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just gonna hop onto this one because uh, we we got the same thing going here. Uh, it, my pick is also Jonathan Smith. Um, last season, he was the eighth most productive tight end after the catch. The Titans threw to the tight end position seventh most in the league. Uh, their their new offensive coordinator, who started last season, Arthur Smith, has has been amazing. He he's uh, using play action at an extremely high rate, and uh, he was a tight ends coach before that so you really like to see the tight end coach then become the oc yeah anyway um delaney walker being gone and and like you were saying clark he's he's a freak athlete um i I don't recall where it is he's uh coming off the board of the tight end uh, 17 yeah yeah so in in redraft and half point pbr he's picked 141 uh i think pairing him with uh any any one of the guys that we've already talked about uh goder um Jack Doyle, I mean, those guys are all going within five picks of each other and half point redraft right now. Um, yeah, pair him with one of those two and and just clean up in the early mid rounds with running backs. Yeah, and wide receivers. Jordan, give us your uh, number one target. Uh, number one target, as always, is going to be Will Disley. Um, but no, I'm just kidding. I just couldn't go on the <laughs> podcast about tight ends without mentioning Will Disley. Fair um, name had to be said once. If I can get, this is more about strategy. If I can get like a uh, Kelsey um, Kittle or Andrews in like the 
third round, depending on how the draft falls, I would go for one of them. Um, but otherwise, I'm waiting until later rounds to try to get like a, a Goddard, an Irv Smith Jr. or a Blake Jarwin, just somebody with uh, a little bit of upside, see what I can get out of that. Clark, wrap us up. Number one target, Gronk. Yeah, so, so Gronk is my number one target, uh, even though I, I wouldn't mind spending a uh, first first half of the second round pick on Kelsey or Kittle. Cause I, again, I'm a believer in, you know, locking up the onesies, but you're passing on guys like Julian Edelman, James White, uh, Drew Brees to get Gronk. So I will break my one rule uh, for the tight end. Who's made me break my one rule more than anyone else <laughs> in my fantasy football history. Rob Gronkowski. Beautiful. Find yourself someone who who loves you as much as Clark loves Gronk. Yeah, man. If I could, if Danny Woodhead would come back oh, this man. year, I would just be happy as a clam in sand. <laughs> this would be the best year for Clark. Uh, awesome. Well, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We are there. Drop a review. Uh, leave a question in the comments. We'll answer it on the show if you if you have any fantasy questions as we approach the possible fantasy football season. Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then, peace.